This is Anthony, and I want to take just a minute uh, and let you know that we are excited to be joining up with the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast uh, RFP network. And coming on Black Friday, there's going to be an announcement coming from the RFP podcast, the R, whatever. And uh, they're going to be announcing something really big. So stay tuned. Uh, go check them out, like them, follow them, get on all their social medias. Uh, because there's going to be a huge announcement and you are definitely going to want to pay attention to it because it's going to be great. And now let's roll into episode 104. Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 104 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we are happy to be back for another week of uh, Beers and Bible. Yeah, man. What's happening with you, dude? It is, I I'm, I I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one, man, dude. I, I I'm taking the week of Thanksgiving off, and I could not be more excited. So actually, this will come out on the Friday before Thanksgiving. So, yes, it will. the The week after this comes out, I'll be off of work. So, if you see yes. me around town up in North Georgia, that's what's going on. Holler, <laughs> holler. holler. Holla at your boy. But uh, no, oh, man, we're man. good. We're staying busy. Um, getting into that time of year where work slows down um, business-wise, but there's a lot of like yeah. weird, unique situations we have to navigate and figure mm. out and use parts of our brain that we only use like once a year. <laughs> like, how did we do this last year? Oh, yeah, that's how. Okay, so that's how we do it this year. Um, yeah. No, but you we're good. You have to remember that one thing one Yeah, time. and then you, you're 12 months later, you're thinking, what the heck is I even doing? <laughs> um, no, but it, everything's good, man. We're staying busy, and um, my wife's uh, started a new-ish job in the last few weeks, so that's going good, and um, my son's good and healthy. He, he's been kind of sick. The last couple of weeks, just runny nose and cough and all that stuff, but he's on the mend and better. So, nice. um, but we're all good, man. How are you? Nice, man. I feel like I'm in the same boat. Uh, I have been busy, but I f- also feel like think everything's going slow. Yeah, right now. So it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of weird. We're I'm actually taking off uh, the week of Thanksgiving. If we get lucky, Michael and I will get to record an episode together because we're going to be heading up to your neck of the woods. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, for the week of Thanksgiving, so that yeah, this will come out right before yep. we head up there. Um, so hopefully, maybe we'll get to do our first like live in person episode, the two of us together. In oh my gosh, al- almost two years. two years. It'll be almost two years. Wow, it was December twenty nineteen. Was the last time we did one together? Yeah, because then we took the month of January twenty twenty off. That's right. 
And then we might have gone all the way to through February too. I don't remember. How long Man. we took we took some time off and then because you moved down to Alabama and yeah. then we got back in the swing of things and so yeah. I don't remember. I think what the it was like December was. and January we took off. Yeah, because we were trying to figure out what we needed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. So but, yeah, hopefully that'll be fun. I hope we get to do that. That'll be a good time. If anything, we'll get to see each other, which we That's tried right. to do last year for Thanksgiving. but uh, Stupid COVID. Someone got COVID. Stupid COVID. It was me. I'm blaming the COVID. Blame the COVID. <laughs> I always blame the COVID. So, uh, all right, Anthony, well, what, what you drinking tonight, bud? Man, I am drinking... <laughs> I'm drinking the the devil's beer tonight, I guess. <laughs> so this is called this is the Fallberg Fallberg. I don't know F A U B O U R G Fallberg Brewing Company, and it's called Black and Voodoo. Nice. So, <laughs> it's, it, it they they can't call my because it has like a snake on the front of it, and it looks like the snake from Harry Potter. Dude, you're, um, you're straight up gonna. It's straight up summoning <laughs> Satan. I'm, I'm like going full witchcraft tonight. So, uh, but they're brewed. This is brewed in New Orleans, so it definitely looks like it's brewed in New Orleans. Mm. Um, but it the the name of it caught me. But then it said it was a dark lager, and um, that kind of intrigued me because you know I do like darker beers, I like ambers and stuff like that. So this is a Dunkel style dark lager, which is the German. The ger- I guess it's like the German version of a lager. Um, and it says it was released 30 years ago. Uh, this is award-winning. Black Voodoo is delicious dark lager crafted in the traditions of great German dunkles that inspired it. So um, hmm. if this is anything like German beer, then I will probably like it because I do like German beer. But it comes in at 5.5% ABV, 22 IBUs, and it won the gold medal uh in the for the best munich style dark lager at the 2021 naba international beer insider awards i'm not sure what that is but that's what it won that's cool so what you drinking tonight so tonight i have from the deschutes brewery located in you watch your mouth son bend oregon (laughs) Um, they are a family and employee owned brewery i have the black butte porter um I'm assuming black. That's how you pronounce it. Um, and I, I'm going to call it the Black Buddy Porter. The Black Buddy Porter. <laughs> um, so uh, Black Butte. I looked it up. Is actually a volcano, an extinct volcano in uh, Oregon. Nice. So um, this is, is in honor of that volcano. Yeah. The uh, and it's in the it's part of the Deschutes National Forest. So Deschutes Brewery, Deschutes National Forest, Black Butte. Um, so the can. Kind of cool, really kind of simple looking can. Oh, nice. Kind of looks. Yep. It, I I think we've talked about this before. It almost looks like Dharma Initiative-y. Ooh, you know, kind of oh, a little bit. Yes. Um, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. So five and a half percent, thirty IBU. So it's a little low for Porter in the uh, mm-hmm. ABV. Um, but this the can says this is the beer that started it all, named for iconic Black Butte towering high above Central Oregon and seen for miles. This surprisingly balanced porter has notes of rich chocolate and coffee, a luscious creaminess and roasted finish. No wonder it's America's favorite. That's a bold claim. I don't know. Wait, man, that is that is very bold. <laughs> I had never even heard of this brewery. This was packaged in March of twenty twenty one. So it's been in so the you're can at the six month mark. It's well, a little after that, actually. It's been about yeah. eight months since it was canned. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's, it's, dude, it's November. Oh it my is gosh. November. Yeah, <laughs> Thanksgiving is two weeks from tonight. Oh, it is. Yes, man, that's crazy. Yep. 
It's less than two weeks till I'll yep. be up there hanging out with you guys. Yeah, man. Well, well, until then, we got to crack these beers open and drink them. So let's roll. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. I would like to mention that tonight I will be drinking from my Atlanta Braves 2021 World Series champion Pilsner glass. I am drinking from my just tall Pilsner glass, like beer glass <laughs> that I got it. Uh, actually got it at a, a ministry um, antique thrift shop we have up here. Nice. I know the guys who operate that thing, and I saw this in there, and I was like, I have to have that. Heck I got yeah. it for like 25 cents, I think. Yeah, so mine's a porter. Dude, that is definitely a porter. Looks like, I mean, we keep referencing it, but it's what we have to reference. It looks like a Hershey's porter. Yes, it does. I think I wanted a porter after yours, the one you had last week. I actually tried Dude, to find that, and Let I me couldn't. tell you something. That that thing, I, that might be a beer that I would be like, yeah, I'll give that five and a half Luthers. Because I drink more of them, and every time I drank one, it got better. Hmm. It was so good. <laughs> I'm having a hard time pouring mine up tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. We don't have uh, that kind of time. I know. Oh, gosh. Sure. Watch is talking to me. That's not good. Um, yeah, so this thing, look at this thing. It's uh, it's dark. It almost looks like a dark version of Yingling. Yeah. Is what it looks like. You said it was a lager? Yeah. Hmm. Which, I mean, Yingling's a lager, so. Yeah, I was about to say, that's right up your alley. Yeah. It's a black black lager or dark lager so which lager doesn't necessarily mean dark um you can have you can have light colored lagers but right well anyway let's turn them up and see how they taste cheers bud bottoms up okay i think i can go first you you sound you sound like you're contemplating over there i'm just trying to nail something down so nail go ahead. it down okay so the dark lager is, um, it's got the consistency or the texture of a, like a yingling or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit richer. Um, it does have really good notes of, it's almost, almost like a porter taste. Okay. It's, I think it's closer to a porter taste, um, is where I would put it. Cause I can, I can taste like a chocolatey, malty, um, flavor in there and and it's good it's a good flavor um but i would almost put this in the in the porter category maybe that's what they were going for that's entirely possible that that's what dark lager is it's just a it's a you know different i guess a lighter version of a porter but um overall it's really good it's got good flavor it's got good texture um it's it is definitely in my wheelhouse um and so it's not quite a five Luther for me. It doesn't have anything that like stands out. And so I will give this four Luthers. This will come in at four Luthers for me. Okay. Um, cool. The uh, blackened voodoo there. So there you go. There's four Luthers on that one. Have you, have you been able to contemplate yet? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so totally left me hanging there. No, you're good. Um, Sorry. So uh, the Black Butte Porter from Deschutes, um, it's really kind of, there's nothing terribly like, wow, this is fantastic. Um, it's not bad. Uh, that I don't have anything, you know, nothing against it really. It's just, I mean, just, it's kind of, 
It's got kind of a blandish flavor. Like I can tell it's a porter, but it's not as strong as doesn't have as strong as a, of a flavor as some of the other porters we've had. Okay. Um, really rich. It is there is like a bit of a creamy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other flavors aren't aren't there as much as I'd like them to be, but that's just personally for me. Um, I think. I think I'm gonna have to go. I think I'm gonna have to come in at three and a half Luthers oh, on man. mine. Yeah. Um, which I mean, we haven't we haven't gone over the scale recently, but like, no, three to four is good. Four to five is great. Yeah. Anything under than th- other than three, and you need to rethink everything <laughs> about your life. You need to close your brewery because two idiots gave you a two and a half. Which um, we don't we don't do that often. No, we don't. Kalik was one of the few that got like lower than three. I'm going back. We haven't done. It's been probably over a year yeah. since either I, of us gave I anything. Gave, less I gave than two a, and a half to the Mighty Banyan, and I gave two and a half to the Cotillion. Yes, from Left Nut and Slow Pour. I I don't know if I was just having a bad two weeks, but I think I, I remember those two, and I didn't like them. <laughs> I think I don't know. Maybe it shows more that we don't. No, I think it actually just shows that we know what we like, but we mm-hmm. also like because the things that are like automatic fives that we we know we pretty much know when it hits yeah. when it hits us that it's going to be a five. Yeah. Um, the ones that we deliberate on a little bit more, we're like, eh, well, maybe, and then, but I think it also shows that we just like beer. True that. True that. Like I'll give I'll I'll give I do like beer. I'll just give any beer a chance at least. <laughs> you even IPAs. I'll give I'll give an IPA a chance. Uh, you know, Here, here's I, a here's I got a bias going in. Yeah, here's a telltale <laughs> sign of uh, what we think of a beer. If we buy it and drink it and review it on the podcast and go back and buy it again, yes, I think I think that's a good indicator that it's a decent mm-hmm. beer. There, I'll tell you one I've I've bought. I went back and bought uh, from episode ninety seven. I went back and bought the No Slaw, extra toast, the lemonade mm-hmm. IPA. Yeah, that thing was so good. I I really. I mean, I think I gave it four and a half Luthers, and it was it was good to me. Yeah. So now, and there are some five Luther beers that I probably won't ever get again. Yeah. For whatever. Don't want to ruin it for, for whatever reason, <laughs> you know. Um, which, and there are some that got less than five that I have gone back and got again. Yeah, like yep. the classic city lager is probably the oh, the best example of that. That's like, if I want something a little more classy than Yingling, mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, I'll go to classic. You're like, I'll you're get like classic man, I made city an extra hundred dollars this week. We're going to get some classic city lagers. <laughs> sure, let's sure. go with that. <laughs> Feeling big timing. Yeah, man. In the go. words of Walker Hayes, we're going to Applebee's. Because we fancy like. Gosh, that song is. I'm glad that Applebee's got rid of that song from their ads because it was. Oh man, literally everywhere. It's a catchy yes, song, it was. but good night. Okay, that's that's the bad part. Is it's a catchy song? Man, it just ruins everything. Okay, all right. Well, there's some beer reviews. The Black and Voodoo coming in at four. The Black Boot Porter coming in at three and a half. Um, if you can go find them, look them up. Fallberg Brewing and Deschutes Brewery. Deschutes. Deschutes. Um, 
now i let man let's roll let's keep rolling on we're going to talk about lamentation chapter four this is going to be an interesting chapter i think four and five are going to be interesting i've, I've been kind of looking ahead and finishing up uh we have two more chapters in lamentations and uh then we're gonna i don't know what we're gonna do next we gotta figure out what we're gonna do next i guess yeah we gotta have some discussions <laughs> for when you come into town so we can record that first episode that's right that's right <laughs> oh my gosh so anyway Stick around. We'll be right back right after this here musical break. And we are back. We hope that you're enjoying a beverage of some kind, whether it's beer or liquor or water, whatever. Um, and tonight we're going to uh, jump into Lamentations chapter 4. Um, we're getting, like Anthony said before the break, we're getting close to the end of our study here in Lamentations. And um, you know, last week we did chapter 3. This week we'll do chapter 4. Next week we'll do chapter 5. So, um what we're going to do to start, I thought you were going to say something there. Uh, I thought I was too, but then I didn't. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do start tonight. I know we've done it kind of a couple of different ways the last three weeks. So, But tonight we're going to actually start with uh, reading, um, and we're actually going to pick up in verse 11. We're going to read to the end of the chapter, and the reason for that, um, there's a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, the first 10 verses of Lamentations 4 um, is kind of a re cap rehash of mm -hmm. the first two chapters of lamentations where um talking a lot about destruction wrath chaos turmoil those type of things um and also uh in the i guess back the last two-thirds of the chapter there are a few verses that have similar language to the first 10 verses um but we're just going to pick up in verse 11 because that's where um the commentary we're using kind of picks up when it starts uh, talking about Lamentations 4. So yeah. so that's why we're doing that tonight. If you have a copy of God's Word, either in physical copy or on a phone or a tablet or whatever, um, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in uh, Chapter 4 of Lamentations, starting at verse 11. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard, and here's what the Word says. The Lord has exhausted his wrath, poured out his burning anger. He has ignited a fire in Zion, and it has consumed her foundations. The kings of the earth and all the world's inhabitants did not believe that an enemy or adversary could enter Jerusalem's gates. Yet it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the guilt of her priests who shed the blood of the righteous within her. Blind, they stumbled in the streets, defiled by this blood, so that no one dared to touch their garments. Stay away, unclean, people shouted at them. Away, away, don't touch us. So they wandered aimlessly, it was said among the nations. It, they can stay here no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He regards them no more. The priests are not respected. The elders find no favor. All the while our eyes were failing as we looked in vain for assistance, we watched from our towers for a nation that refused to help. Our steps were closely followed so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end drew near, our time ran out, 
our end had come. Those who chased us were swifter than eagles in the sky. They relentlessly pursued us over the mountains and ambushed us in the wilderness. The Lord's anointed, the breath of our life, was captured in their traps. We had said about him, we will live under his protection among the nations. So rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you resident of the land of Uz, 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 um, sorry, uh, yet the cup will pass to you as well. You will get drunk and expose yourself. Daughter Zion, your punishment is complete. He will not lengthen your exile, but he will punish your iniquity, daughter Edom, and will expose your sins. If chapter three was this like salvation moment, chapter four just takes us right back down the hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, we we go back into destruction. Uh, we go back into mourning. Um, and but it's almost it's, like it's a cycle. It is. It is. It is. Um, it is a cycle, and it's a it's a reminder to the people of God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a continual reminder to the people of God that that. Number one, you don't stay in the valley forever, and the end of the end of this chapter tells us that. But also, you don't stay on the mountaintop forever. Yeah. So many times we get caught in this idea of living either in the valley or on the mountaintop. Like we can't appreciate the cycle and and what yeah. it teaches us. And that's what that's what lament actually does is it teaches us how to go through the valley and how to be on the mountaintop. And so, but. Anyway, this this uh, this chapter really brings out something that it hasn't touched on. The book hasn't touched on yet, and that is um, the idea of leaders. Yeah, uh, leadership, leaders, and the the kind of key verses for for drawing on this are in um, is it eleven or no? It's in thirteen. Um, this was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. Mm. Um, in the Old Testament, and I'm going to back up here and, and do a little bit of like history and setup as we as we walk into this. So in the Old Testament, there were three offices. Um, the first two were, were really established by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, yes, it was established by God, but it was uh, it was essentially at the request of the people. The people said, we want a king. Yeah, because um, they saw the nations around them, even though yes. they knew they were unique, but they saw that the nations around them also had fit kings on earth, and so they requested for a king to lead them. Yes. And that is where we got into some trouble. Yeah, yeah. Putting it, mi- putting it mildly, <laughs> we, won't we go got into way. some trouble. Yeah, so you have three... Three offices uh, in the Old Testament. You have the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet is the person who conveyed the words of God. Thus says the Lord. You know, you, mm-hmm. you read the books. Um, anytime you see the words, thus says the Lord, um, that's the prophet speaking. Um, and then you have the priest. Prophet and priest really work together, um, not so much like their buddies, but their their offices are compatible, and they, they complement each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the priest is the person who has to administer the law. He has to um, make sure that people are doing their sacrifices right, all that kind of stuff, um, and and following the way that God has prescribed the people to live. That's the job of the priest. He's to facilitate that, and, and 
what he's doing is he is facilitating people back into right relationship with God. Yeah. Okay. Prophet, hey, you guys have messed up. Priest, hey, let me help you facilitate back. You see how those two work together? Yeah. And then the king is is essentially, I mean, that is what it is. He rules over the civic aspect of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he governs, you know, laws, judges, all of this kind of stuff. Um, in, is- and, and- in Israel's case, he would be governing the non-spiritual aspects of That's, the nation. Yes. Yeah. So you have, if you if you read the through the Pentateuch and then after the Pentateuch, you have Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Samuel, the, the history books. And first they ask for judges, and then the judges don't do what they want, so they ask for a king. That's that's where you get to the office of the kings. First they ask for judges. Um, <clears throat> the judges basically do are kind of like an extension of the priest. They're like, hey, you guys are terrible. You're not doing this right. Um, and so they, they're like, oh, we don't like you anymore. We want a king. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like that whole thing where you ask for something, and then what you asked for was not what you thought it was, so you ask for something else. Um, nobody can relate to that, right? That's never so, happened in the history of ever. <laughs> that's never happened ever. So those are the three offices, and then roll all of that knowledge into Lamentations 4, and you get this is, this is a lament about the failure of, of these offices. It's, right. I mean, all three of these have to work together. And and the beauty of the gospel is that Christ fulfills all three of these roles. Mm-hmm. He is our prophet who comes and says, Thus says the Lord. He is our priest who reconciles us. You know, it's his it's his duty to reconcile us back to God. And then now he is the king ruling and reigning over the over the world. Yeah. And so Christ fulfills all three of these offices and and what that tells us is that Christ is the perfect leader. Mm-hmm. And and it also tells us, and this, this quote was from the commentary, and I love it, because it says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, if you look at the Old Testament, there is constant failure in the leadership. Right. Constant. Mm-hmm. And the people are failing constantly. Yeah. And so it's the people's fault, it's the leadership's fault, but they're all broken. And so... Everything rises and falls when the one comes who is the perfect one, then you see the perfect example of leadership and you see the example that we have to strive for. Yeah. So we're going to break down this chapter a little differently than we've done the previous three chapters. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about leadership um, and then we're going to talk about idols. Um, Because a lot of times when you when you have leaders, when you have people who are in leadership, something or someone can become an idol. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different ways that this can happen. Yeah. And it's something that Christians have to be careful of. And, and it's something that when it happens, because it will happen when it happens, you have to lament that you have to lament that sin in your life. So, so let's dive into this. Let's talk a little bit about leaders and let's talk about when leaders fail. Because inevitably, all leaders are going to fail. Yeah. So um, you kind of hinted at it when uh, with Jesus, if we have if we've accepted Jesus with Jesus reigning over Earth, He is the perfect leader. Yeah. Um, if we submit to Him, we have um, leadership from someone who cannot fail, who won't mess up in the ways that the leaders of the Old Testament do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Something from the commentary um, said, 
if we don't que- if we don't have to question a leader's motives, and the only way we don't do that is if our leader is perfect. So mm-hmm. if we don't have to question a leader's motives, their capacity for leadership, their character, then we're good. Like we're all set. Mm-hmm. But since perfection is not attainable by anyone other than Jesus, we are left with a continuum of leadership. Yeah. Um, and in this idea is like when leaders serve the organization, mm-hmm. the better the organization is going to be. When leaders serve themselves and when they're um, when they're only there to um, make it about how big and bad they are, yeah. the organization fails. It's not that the organization yeah. like doesn't do well or or, mm-hmm. or sees, you know has a down month or like it fails, and that's like business world that's church that's yeah sports teams like that's that's any any organization where there is a leader and people following a leader yeah if the leaders are self-servient the organization fails yeah you know it's interesting um i'm sure i'm sure that everybody has experienced something like this but but in my life i've i've been a part of a bunch of different organizations and i've been a part of good ones with great leaders and not so good ones with not so great leaders. And the the part that you never see about a company, church, whatever it is, is you is you never see what goes on behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And so many times you can you can look at a, at at a let's say a church, okay? It's a big church with uh with a lot of people going to that church in that community. And you you look at that you look at the outside appearance of that church and you think man that's that must be a great place to go or that must be a great place to work and then you get inside of it and you and you realize that well that's not exactly right and man that that's not how the bible says that we should do that and and you you just kind of notice these things and you i i think this is what leads to a lot of cynicism from church staff um, and really a lot of cynicism from church leadership and not necessarily when I when I say leadership not staff leadership or paid people I mean like lay leaders in the church right the more they get brought into the the internals or the internal workings of a church then you see things that you're like that's not what the Bible says we should be doing right. You know, and so you you see this failure of leadership, and just because something looks successful on the outside does not mean it's successful. Yeah, your your uh, measurement for success needs to be able to be backed up by scripture. Yeah, And, and unfortunately, in a lot of churches, success is driven by either numbers or. Mm-hmm. You know, smooth, like if a service runs well or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with looking at the numbers. There's nothing wrong with wanting your service to flow smoothly or whatever. Um, but if the furtherance of the gospel is not your measuring stick, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter what you've done. It's a failure. Yeah, which is exactly where Jerusalem and Israel found themselves. I mean, they found themselves in the wrath of God here because of the failure of the prophets. That's what verse 13 mm-hmm. tells us. Yep. You know, um, and it and you, if you keep going, this failure 
led to people stumbling in the streets, wandering around aimlessly. You know, mm-hmm. you may you may get into a situation where you're part of a, an organization, a business, let's say, and you think the business is great, and then all of a sudden you're working for this business, and you realize. Man, the the owner is a jack wagon. He <laughs> screams at everybody. He, you know, I'd like to point out that's the first time we've used the word jack wagon on the jack wagon. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, I, I, I can say that I've been a part of those places mm-hmm. where, on the outside, the shell looks great, but on the inside, it's it's rotten. It's it's you know, it's it's terrible. And yeah. and no and I mean you talk about low morale, all of those kind of like business words, buzzwords that we that we throw out. But I mean, that's what people are doing. If if you have poor morale and you're not treating your employees uh, fairly, if you're a business owner, that's what you're creating. You're creating people who are stumbling in the streets and who are wandering aimlessly. They are there yeah. to collect a paycheck. They're not there to better themselves or to contribute to something they're there to collect money so that they can survive yeah yeah and no organization whether business church whatever no organization is going to thrive for long if there's not like a determinable uh clearly communicated goal yeah and if your people don't know where you're going like how can you expect them to lead or expect them to follow you um, I've seen this, I've seen this meme or not a meme, but it's like a picture on the internet. It shows like the difference between like a leader and a boss. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure you know, it's so like a boss is like a guy sitting on like this throne with a whip saying like, carry me mm-hmm. and his people are, and a leader is at the front of the line carrying the throne that's empty. Yeah. And he's down with his people and that, and that's, you know, that's a, that's someone who is leading his, you know, yeah. Your leader should be the whoever's leading you should be somebody you'd be willing to follow. Absolutely. And if you wouldn't Absolutely. be willing to follow them, you need to get out. Yeah. Of yeah. whatever that situation is. Yeah. And and you know, in in this chapter, they attribute the failure of the leadership not necessarily and and I think this this ties in perfectly with what you were just saying. It's not about what they said, but it's about what they didn't say. Yeah. You know, a boss yells at people, whereas a leader says, hey, man, come along with me. Let's do yeah. this together. They say things, yeah. you know, and and when you have a, that boss who is, you know, let's stay with the, 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 the motif here. He's a jack wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you have that boss who, who all he does is yell and bark orders and nitpick and tell you that you're you're not good enough and you can't do it. That doesn't and that doesn't inspire you to become a better employee, right? But when you have that boss who's like, "Man, you did a great job. I think we can continue to improve what you did, and here's how I think we can do that." And and he pulls you on to to making yourself better. That inspires you to be yeah. the better person. And, um, and the and the big difference in that is like the overall message of those of both of those scenarios is kind of similar. Yeah, the one is like one is. Or they're both saying, "Hey, you you didn't do this right, or you messed up, or whatever." But mm-hmm. the the way it's communicated to you is the way it's communicated is as important or more important than what is communicated. Oh, absolutely. And if some like I would rather, you know, you could have somebody gently 
give you a list of things you screwed up at. Mm-hmm. And it could be it could go on for 30, 45 minutes, however long. But at the end of it, you're like, well, but they didn't make me feel like an idiot. They didn't make me feel small. Yeah. They didn't make me feel, you know, and then you have the on the flip side, someone who just yells and complains and pitches a fit about mm-hmm. all the things that you messed up on and, ma- and makes it about blaming you and how it makes the organization yeah. look bad or them look bad. That makes you like, I wouldn't want to go back and no. I wouldn't want to go back. Like I'd be like, okay, no. well, bye. See you. Yeah. Well, clearly you don't need me. And so, you know, and, and, and I can't help but think how much of that is playing into this, you know, that mentality is playing into this chapter right here. Yeah. Because the priests failed to teach the people. They, they failed to teach people the word of God. They failed to teach them the right way. Mm-hmm. And because of that, their failure went down and was the failure of the people. Yeah. And instead of keeping the people from destruction, they facilitated them into destruction. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it's and it's one of those things where it's like if they had just now there I mean there's always an op- there's always a chance that like the people don't listen to what the priests say, but if the priests never say anything, yeah. Then we'll never know. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. That's it. I mean, and, and, and again, it goes back to what we've talked about before. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Yeah. If, you're, if your leadership is not good. And un- understand, we're not talking here about, you know, you have to be a manager or an owner of a company to be considered leadership. Yeah. God entrusts all of us to some form, some type of leadership wherever we are. Um you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. So in in reality, the the more leadership, you know, if you think societally or culturally, the more leadership you have, the more it, it's expected from you. Right. But you you have to show that you can be faithful in the little things first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God's going to, he's, he's going to put things in your life to grow you and, and he's going to continue to develop you and sanctify you. And that's what that process looks like. And so the leader who fails in this, like addressing hard topics or addressing hard subjects, will ultimately he'll he'll end up as a failure, or she'll end up as a failure because they won't deal with the underlying problem, and the rot will eventually catch up to you. Yeah, and even though it is usually or almost all, it's all I would say it's always. I'll go ahead and say that, but it's always easier to not deal with the hard stuff. Like oh, absolutely. Pe- I don't think people want to deal with hard stuff. No, and I think of course that, not. And I think that's why you have, like, cancerous cultures thrive for mm-hmm. years and years and years in these places. And, and, and how many times do you hear everybody complain about those can- cancerous cultures, but nobody does anything about mm-hmm. them? Yeah. It, and, it's, and ultimately, like you said, it comes down to leadership not willing to do the hard things or have the hard conversations mm-hmm. or or say this is what we're doing and you can be a part of it or you can yeah. go on your way. And you can do that with love. You can say to somebody, man, uh, we love you and we're we're going to go in this direction and we want you to be a part and and we want you to join, but this is what we need mm-hmm. from you yeah. to be a part of this. You know, whatever it is, whether you're making a business decision or a church decision, 
whatever it is, you know, yeah. um, that type of failure is, is ultimately what leads to the failure of a, of a leader. Yeah. And so that failure should remind us that, that our ultimate hope should never be in a person or, um, an individual at business, at work, at, at church, you know, wherever it is that you find yourself. Yeah. Um, because leaders are going to fail you. I mean, that's what chapter four has set up for us versus 11 through 16 paint that picture for us. Yeah. And so what it, what it should do is let us know that even though these earthly ones will fail us, these earthly leaders will fail us. Christ has won the ultimate victory for us and he is the ultimate leader. And our hope should be found in Christ, not in our, leadership or our status or where we are now yeah yeah i mean when you know the the next part the last two verses of the chapter basically point out that when leaders fail there's still hope yeah um like verses 22 and 23 of chapter 3 of lamentations Mm -hmm. um i mean we are reminded that god is still faithful that god there's still hope even when our earthly leaders fail us even when you know your boss or whatever your past like when, I don't even know how to like pick. adequately to, but pick pick your leader <laughs> yeah pick your leader we're bouncing back and forth between Boss, like business church. world and here, church here, world here you go here's, here's a good one when your football coach benches the star quarterback for no reason whatsoever yeah and that fails you and you end up losing that football game there's still hope I hope you're not prophesying against Georgia this weekend. <laughs> Well, we'll find out here in two days. <laughs> no, but like, but even when, and, and it's like a really, that's a benign, like, yes, yeah. that's a silly example. But like, even when our earthly leaders fail us, because they will fail us because they're human. And yeah, but God is faithful. God is always faithful. God's, but he's the God of the hills and the valleys. He's like, yeah. you know, I think there's a song about that. Um, thanks. Where Tarn. Tarn? Tarn Wells. Tarn Wells <laughs> through the door. Um, no, but, but God always has been and always will be faithful. Yeah. Um, eventually his wrath will end and eventually we will get out of the valley and go to another mountaintop. Yeah. And you know, that will eventually lead us back into a valley. It's a cycle. Yeah. It's it's yeah. the the life of the life of a believer is cyclical and it's not filled with mountaintop experience after mountaintop experience mm-hmm. no matter what Joel Osteen says. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But, yeah, you are. But no matter what these prosperity gospel preachers say, like mountaintop experience after mountaintop experience is not a realistic expectation of a life no. of a believer. It's um, we're going to go through highs and lows. Sometimes mm-hmm. we may be going through like highs and lows at the same time in different aspects of our lives. You know, your work life could be great and your home life could be terrible. Yeah, like, like you could be going like it, it could be your life and Anthony, you could see this like people can't see, but your life could be doing this <laughs> at all yes. or like maybe it's like Dude, this. That's impressive. I don't know. So <laughs> woo, we're um, gonna YouTube that. But no, but <laughs> but here's the thing. But like our role isn't to dictate where we are in the ups and downs, but glorify God regardless of where we are. Yeah, yeah. And our remember our circumstances don't dictate our joy. Our circumstances don't nope. dictate like. Whether or not we honor God, glorify God, worship God, mm-hmm. our circumstances are just our circumstances. Yeah. And God has put you there for a reason. Yeah. 
And that reason is to honor him in that circumstance. Philippians 4.13. Not taken out of context. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In your circumstance, wherever it is, be content in your circumstance. That's what Paul mm-hmm. is saying right there. Didn't he write that in prison? Yes, he did. And and the the irony of all that is that Jeremiah, I'm yes, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations after the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. So I mean, and and he's saying things like, "There's hope. God's wrath is going to end. We're going to get through this. We're going to, you know, we're all in this what, together." We're all in this together. That's what they're saying. Okay, so I just had a thought, and I know we've talked about it before. So remember how, um, remember how we felt as a nation after nine eleven, and in the days after nine eleven. And look, I was eleven years old, so like I I was a kid, I was a child, yeah. And um, I was nineteen. Well, there you go. So, but like remember, remember in the days after nine eleven, it was just like everyone kind of walked around in a haze, and there was a lot of like what is even life now. Mm-hmm. But I think of like the, the image of hope that I have coming out of nine 11 was the first baseball game in New York city mm-hmm. that president George Bush threw the first pitch out to and the crowd is chanting USA, USA, USA. Yeah. And George Bush goes out there and goes out there and throws like a perfect sh- first pitch strike. Yeah. You know, like that is an image of hope. That is an image yeah. like and like think of how like that's just United States hope. Think about how much more hope we have in Jesus. Yeah. Like and eventually the United States got out of that funk and got out of that we you know you could some you, you could argue maybe not for the better. I was but, like you could argue <laughs> we lost our minds, but you know. <laughs> but 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 for a while, I mean things got we eventually got back to normal, is, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yes. So. Yes. So we've talked about leadership, and and something that, that's – Mark talked about it in, in the book, and, and it's not necessarily in the commentary that we use, but I thought it was an interesting take on this chapter. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at it from this – it's so we're going to like – we're just going to switch gears here. We've talked about what the text actually says. We've kind of we, we've done this exegetical thing and walked through it, but I think it's important to look at it through another lens this this time because this can teach us something about our lives and how we can approach things in our lives. Yeah, and and so the reality is that for the people, for Israel, for Jerusalem a lot of what they were doing had become an idol to them. They they had lived in this this perception that they were untouchable, that they could do no wrong, that God was always going to have mercy, that they, you know, it, it's it's a mindset that that a lot of times Christians get in. Yeah. And we can do it with a lot of different things in our lives. And so the Bible calls uh, an idol. It's it's just an object that takes the place, either emotional or practical. It takes the place of God. Mm-hmm. Calvin, I've said this before. Calvin calls our hearts perpetual idol factories. Our our hearts are made to worship, so they're going to worship something. Yeah. And whatever it is that you're worshiping, if it's not God, it's an idol. Yeah. 
And so that's why he says that our, our hearts are perpetual idol factories, and lament is something that we can use to uncover those idols. Yeah. Um, something, and, and again, this is where it gets down to, you may not be going through like the loss of a loved one. You may not be going through um, the, you know, you, you've lost your job or you, you know, your house burned down. Something like physically bad happened to you. But you could just be going through a rough time. Somebody wronged you, and you're in a time of struggling. You're in a yeah. time of, of depression almost. Yeah. And and that is a time to lament as well. Yeah. It, it and can, so I mean, it can be hard to yeah. to walk through. Um, yeah. You know, when you, I mean, you're going through the process of a lament, and God's pointing out these things in your life that are, that are not necessarily bad. That's the thing. Like a lot of the things that we idolize or we, or we set up on pedestals are not in and of themselves bad things. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's not a bad thing to want the best for your kids. It's not yeah. a bad thing to want to, you know, do well in your job or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but when God, when God gets your attention and points out these things that are, that have replaced him yeah, on the pedestal, yeah, that that that's when we go through the process of lament, and and that's why learning how to lament should be something that all of us as believers know how to do. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, and and I I think back to our interview with John, mm-hmm. and and him him talking about you know there was a time where God took distilling away from him, mm-hmm. and he, it was it was his passion, it was his love, but he he said it, he said he had let it become an idol. Mm-hmm. And God took it away from him, and and so it's just because it's it's something that you love doesn't mean you can worship that thing. You know, God can give you a love for something, but you can't love it more than Him. Yeah, I mean, God wired John to be a distiller, like yeah. that. That's what he does now. <laughs> but John, like, like said, I think John also said, like he uh, he's come to the point where he's okay with the fact that God could take it take it right away yeah. again yeah and that that kind of trust in god maybe going through something like john went through where he mm-hmm. was working at a distillery lost it and now he's at a different he's doing yeah. doing the same thing in a different place god has molded his heart to to a point where it's not the thing he's pursuing the distilling yeah. is not the thing he's pursuing it's just it's not who he is it's just something he does yeah yeah and it's something that he can use to glorify God. Yeah. You know, and so, but walking through something like that is is challenging for the Christian because, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you think of, you know, all right, let's say, you know, a professional athlete who gets injured. You know, that's, that's a talent that God gave them and then took it away from them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think of like a musician who, who breaks their hand or the movie Doctor Who, um, sorry, or no, not Doctor Who, Doctor Strange. <laughs> The Marvel movie Doctor Strange, where he's a surgeon and then his hands get broken and he can't, he can't do surgery seen anymore. It. Oh my gosh, you haven't seen anything good. But anyway, we're working our way through those. Chill. <laughs> I think we're at like Captain America sometime. Oh, that's like the second movie. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, rabbit that was trail. a rabbit trail. <laughs> we, okay, we didn't mean so to lamentations. Do that. So, um, so lamentations four really kind of hits on two big and and I kind of pulled a third one out but but uh, Mark talked about two big idols for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
he talks about money and he talks about people. And, and I mean, that's, if I'm going to list idols, the first two things I'm going to list are money and people. Yeah. Because almost everything can fall into one of those two categories. Yeah, I was about to say anything, <laughs> anything that could possibly, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and I mean, Lamentations 4, we didn't read it, but it opens by saying that their gold has grown dim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could have all the gold in the world, but if it's not enough, then why do you have it? And why yeah. are you pursuing it? And and yeah. what's the point? Yeah. You know, if it doesn't bring you status, like, and, and not just money, but relationships or, or things or, or, but if it doesn't bring you joy, what's the point? Yeah. Or if it does bring you joy, how do you keep that joy in check and yeah. not let it become an idol? Yeah. You know, I, I think about our society today and, and this like mentality of this, like, I've got to keep up with the Joneses and, and really and truly that is nothing but exacerbated on uh, social media, you know, now, especially since 2020, because now we've got TikTok influencers and uh, social media influencers and they're selling well, things to you dude, and everyone is everyone on social media is an influencer. Uh, I mean, I'm not, but whatever. <laughs> Every I feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a social media troll is what I am. I feel like ninety <laughs> plus percent of people on social media are either trying to follow get get you to follow them or get mm-hmm. you to buy a service or a product from them. We are definitely not here to ask you to follow Beers and Bible Podcast underscore on Instagram or Beers and Bible P one on Twitter. We we would never do something like that. We do that all every week. <laughs> But we do it at the end when people stop listening. We don't do it at the beginning or in the middle. But you're right. I mean, you have all these social media influencers. You have, um, like, celebrity worship. You have all these things. And it's it's just baffling to me that people think that that stuff matters. Yeah. And people think that if I'm, like – that person or if i look like that per look like him or dress like her or or get the, you know buy this person's pro- like it's gonna bring me some sort of it's gonna fulfill me yeah and i think it just leaves you emptier man I, I, I don't i don't know i don't know of anything that you could physically like that you could attain that would bring you this kind of satisfaction that having a deep relationship with Jesus could bring you. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it changes your mentality when you turn yourself from the things of the world to, or from the thing, yeah, the things of the world to the things of God. Yeah. You know, er, everybody, a lot of people like to call money evil and, and the Bible never calls money evil. It says the Mm -hmm. love of money is what, what Paul told Timothy. Yeah. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so money itself is not an idol, just like a lot of things in and like in their root form are not idols. Yeah. But how we use them can become evil or it can become an idol. Yeah. Focusing too much on money can cause you to believe that like you're self sufficient. You can do whatever you you can supply everything and you're not putting your your life sustenance in God as mm-hmm. in, in his provision. And so, you know, that that's where money can hit you. And and I I flip through. So I'm the guy who like for the last 30 minutes of the day, I get out my phone and I flip through TikTok so that I can feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think TikTok is the Walmart of social media. 
it like I don't have an account. I I was smart enough to download TikTok when it first came out, and you didn't have to set up an account. You could just scroll through videos. Now to even look at the videos, you have to set up an account. But um, so I will. But I'll scroll through, and man. I'll get laughing at some things and, and it makes me laugh sometimes, but like I'm that guy, but I, I see again, I see these people on TikTok, and I'm like, you're trying so hard to do something on an app that in 10 years is probably not going to exist anymore. And then you're going to be left wondering because this app and this, this thing has become your idol. You know, I, the one that I always like, I enjoy seeing is this guy, Daniel Mack. And mm-hmm. he like, he goes around I don't know how he manages to find all these people. I mean, I guess now that he's gotten more popularity, it's easier for him to find wealthy people or rich people or famous people. But, like, they're in their car driving, and he, like, runs up to their car, and he's like, hey, sweet car, dude, what do you do for a living? You know, and, and, you know, they're like, oh, I sell real estate, and I do this, and, I, you know, they, they list what they do. But it's all about what that person does to get that really nice car. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their identity. That's their idol. Is yeah. what they do, and and I've never heard somebody say, "Man, it doesn't matter what I do. All of this is God's provision, and and I'm just happy to be a part of it." You know, I've, yeah. I've never heard that on his channel, and so things like that right there tells me that that those people are there for the love of money. Money has become evil to them because they're there for the love of money. Yeah, and so when you focus on money, that's what that's what that type of destruction will bring to you. Yeah. But even more than money, and, and I think this one is, this next one is a lot more dangerous than money a lot yeah. of times. Mm-hmm. And that's people. Yeah. We can idolize people. And we talked about celebrity worship in the, in the last, you know, talking yeah. about money and that, you know. But man, we could, we could put the opinions of people on a pedestal to the point where it's like they can't say anything wrong. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, I mean, if you look at chapter four lamentations, like it's the leaders that failed the people. Yeah, the the, the leaders failed their people, and the people didn't like. You would have thought that at some point the people of uh, Jerusalem would have been like, "Hey, what's going? Like, why aren't y'all telling us about the things of God? Like, why, why, Mm -hmm. why is this in?" You know, the leaders just failed their people, and and ultimately led to destruction. Yeah. Um, Mark Vrogrop said that um, we can come face to face with how much we believe people can fix the problems around us. And, and yeah. it's not necessarily that they can fix them, but we believe that they can fix the problems yeah. around us. And we feel like, you know, so-and-so can do no wrong or, you know, I have to listen to what they say for whatever reasons. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's a dangerous place to get to when, when, you are putting so much faith and trust into what other people say that you're not, um, you're not doing your own. I don't want to say like research, but it's like you're not doing your own thinking on it and making yeah. sure that it that it even lines up like if it's logically or if it lo- lines up with scripture or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're not comparing what that person says to scripture. You're just taking that person's word for it. and. Again, we've said this on here before. Don't take our word for any of this. Put put what we say, test it up against Scripture, and tell us if we're wrong. You know, yeah. I want to be told if I'm wrong. Because if I'm wrong, I don't want to mislead people. But the Book of Lamentations really should serve as a warning 
that that our deliverance, our our deliverer, does not occupy the Supreme Court, a seat on the Supreme Court. This is probably going to make some people mad, but our deliverer does not reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our deliverer is not in a boardroom of some company that's going to make our profits go up or he's going to change this law so that we can get what we want. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, our deliverer does not stand behind the pulpit of your church. That's I think that's the one that most believers would have a hard time letting go of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, most believers could agree to disagree on the Supreme Court or the White House or company boardroom. But I think as soon as you start saying that your pastor is not your deliverer or your pastor doesn't have all the answers, mm-hmm. I think that's when people start – I think that's where the rub's going to get. Yeah. They're going to start showing up. Well, Which, and, co- which I mean, comes back to that, like, that worship of – you know, your pastor may not be a celebrity, but he is a celebrity to your church. Yeah, to your 200-member church. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I I think that's where we set pastors up for failure. Mm-hmm. Because we think, we celebritize them. Did I just make up a word? We idolize them to the point where their opinion has to be right. Yeah. And then when they're wrong, because they will be wrong, because they're men and they're sinful— and they mess up with like we all do. When they mess up, that that idolized view is shattered, and we don't know how to respond to it. Yeah, we, I, too too many times we look at our pastors through the lens of they can do no wrong instead of yeah. they are a sinner just like me. Yeah, and it's it's okay to you know yes we want to be taught by them and we want to listen to what they what God has given them to teach us. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make them infallible. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're always right. And you can, in truth and love, disagree with your pastor. That's possible. And and sometimes that, that may end up as a, man, I've got to leave this church because I can't disagree on this level, but I know that he's doing God's work. I know he's mm-hmm. you know doing God's work. And so yep. we're going to separate in ministry, and that's fine. That's okay. Yep. But we're afraid to do that kind of stuff. We're yep. afraid to make those hard decisions. And so, and and leaders are afraid to say, "Hey, man, if we're not gonna, if we can't come to a conclusion on this, maybe it's best that we go separate ways." Yeah, you know, I think in the book of Acts, is it? It's um, oh my gosh, Peter and I think it's Peter and Barnabas. They they come. I mean, they basically fight, and they're like, so, "Man, we can't agree on this," but they're they're like, "But we got to continue doing God's work, so we're just gonna go our own separate way and and continue and." Pray blessings on the other guy. You know, yeah. we can't work together. That's okay. That's that's not a bad not a bad thing. Let's just go do God's work somewhere else. Yeah. And so, but we we put this celebrity status on people, a pastor or a worship leader or whatever it is that they can't say something wrong, and when they do say something wrong, our compl- our worldview is shattered. Yeah, you or know, because they, our worldview wasn't based in scripture; it was based in that person. Yeah, or when like a scandal comes out or whatever, they're like, "We're not so like." And I'm not saying that, like you should accept that your pastor is in a scandal or something, yeah. but like when it, it seems to happen with these celebrity type pastors or celebrity mm-hmm. worship leaders, that when there's some big scandal or some financial sketchy stuff going on or yeah. whatever, like it, the people are just like, 
I had no idea that he was even capable of doing that. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. of course he's capable. He's a man. He's sinful. He He's filled with the same sin nature that every other person on the face of the planet that's ever lived except for <laughs> Jesus. You know, like, like any anyone is capable of anything at any time. Yeah. That and and and, and we shouldn't be surprised when our pastors yeah. inevitably fail us. Yeah. Because uh, all right, and I'll give you an example, okay? So, there are pastors who use the pulpit for political gain. They push a political agenda. They they try to to say this is what, you know, the Bible says you should vote Republican. You know, no, it doesn't. And one of the people that I can think of off the top of my head is the pastor Greg Locke. You know, this is a guy who was like, the election was rigged, and this is going to come out, and and I'm prophesying now, and God told me that that Donald Trump's going to be president in 2021. Well, guess what? It's almost 2022, and Donald Trump's still not the president. So either you were talking to the wrong God, Greg Locke, or... You're a you're, false you're prophet. Fit, and we sh- you're a we're false, a false prophet. prophet. We should stone you. <laughs> Which one do you want it to be? You know, um, but but you know, there are people in his church who idolize him mm-hmm. and can't see him doing anything wrong because yeah. they're not comparing his words to what Scripture says. Yeah, I think about the um, the Jamestown uh, Kool Aid thing. Oh yeah, like th- you don't think at any point there were people in there going like. This dude has lost his mind. Like, like, why, why are we still here? Yeah, uh, like I kind of think about that. Like, but th- th- those are people who th- their leader could not do any wrong. Mm-hmm. And when he said, "All right, it's time, it's time to go," and then didn't he end up not? Part- I don't remember the story. I can't remember the James Town thing. It doesn't matter. So anyway, but but you're right. I mean, like any any pastor who is using their pulpit for any any type of gain, not just political, yeah. but social status, or you know. You know, if they're buddies with some, you know, pop star, I think of um, the Hillsong guy and Justin Bieber. Oh yeah, he you went know? down in a in a yeah, field went, of flames. He went down. He went down big time. <laughs> so but, bad, I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but it's you know, it, it's it's heartbreaking to see these pastors who they have an anointing mm-hmm. and they have a gift to speak and preach. And they start pursuing things that go directly against that anointing and that calling yeah. and that gifting. Yeah, they create it's, their own idols. Yeah, and and then their congregation can't see past or can't see through the uh, the facade. Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough, man. Yeah, we uh, as Christians, we we have to be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and I think that's that's the whole point of what we're saying here is, we just have to be careful. Be careful who you attach yourself to, because you don't want to end up in a situation like where you're at Greg Locke's church or, you know, Jamestown guy or you know whatever it is. Pick your mm-hmm. crazy wacko nut job, jack wagon. That's the that's the word of the night is jack wagon, um, but. In, in in all of that you have you have people we've talked about money and and there's kind of one more that kind of I added this one in there because I felt like it fit mm-hmm. um 
mostly because a lot of times when we do attach ourselves to people, we end up in this third category right here, which is culture. Yeah. And we end up in a culture war because of what that person is driving us in a frenzy to do, you know? And the biggest one that I can think of in, in my lifetime is coming out of the eighties, the Reagan revolution politically, you had really it, it started kind of in the early '80s, but you had Jerry Falwell, you had a couple of other guys start this thing called the Moral Majority. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, "Oh, the the vast majority of Americans are these moral Christians, and they're just they don't say anything." And and a lot of times they they called them the Silent Majority, and and they wanted to bring these people to the forefront. Well, and they started touting all these different people. And I don't know if y'all followed the news in the last 15 years, but the vast majority of those people have fallen off into some type of idolatry or scandal or sin or, I mean, geez Louise, look at Jerry Falwell's son. I mean, that that man is a train wreck waiting to happen. And it, it just reminds me that the church doesn't need to try to take control of our culture we need to try to take control of ourselves and submit ourselves to the rule and reign of Christ and let Christ do the work in the culture for us. Mm-hmm. He will fight our battles. Thank you, Michael W. Smith. Um, but there's a book, and I just want to say that you like that one, didn't you? It took me a second. I was looking at something <laughs> else, and then I came back. I was like, oh, okay. There's a book. It's called Onward, um, mm-hmm. and I've read it before. And in that book, Russell Moore... Some people don't like him. I personally am a fan of Russell Moore. I like the way he talks, and I like the way he encourages Christians. But he says that instead of being a moral majority, we need to focus as Christians on being a prophetic minority, which is we don't want to seek power, but wherever we are, we want to speak truth, and we want to speak God's words to the culture around us. Yeah. Because that's the way that we're going to drive out the brokenness of society. Yeah, and the the brokenness is, is that brokenness should drive the church and Christians to their knees. Yeah, in in this attitude of lament, and yeah. we should, yeah, you know, we should look at the world around us and see, you know, what things aren't great. What about me? Can what about me? Can God change to help the world around me? Yeah, and then yeah. how can that? And then see how that could overflow into your community and your schools and where you work and your churches. And, um, I think it's critical. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And, and I think, I think that is a, a good place. You know, we, we've kind of done the take home thing every week, but I I think that's a good place to put that one, put the end on that one, because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to just give you some, some stuff and be like, Oh, think about these things, you know, this week. But, Think about everything that we've talked about tonight. You know, in what ways, and, and I, 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 again, I'm applying this to myself. In what ways am I creating idols in my life? Where, what people am I creating idols in my life? Am I, um, you know, family, children, wife? Am I putting any of that before God? All of those things are important, but am mm-hmm. I putting any of that before my relationship with God? Yeah. My work, my job, my status at my job. Am I putting any of that above God? Yeah. Um, because until we can lament this type of stuff, 
and be broken in this type of sin, Christians are not going to see a change in our culture. Yeah. So yeah. And, until we get the order right, culture's not going to follow us. That's right. Because if we're not leading from a place where God is in the right place yeah. in our lives, then mm-hmm. the culture's not going to follow. Yes. Which is why we have seen for the last 10 years, five years, however long, these people who were supposedly great Christian leaders fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. These these politicians that we put up as, oh man, he's a great moral leader, only to find out he was sleeping with prostitutes on the side, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and because we put our faith and our trust in a person to bring us the political power that we wanted, were we able to, we weren't able to get what we wanted because that was in a person and not in God, not in Christ. Right. So. Woo. I didn't mean for that to be that deep, but that's where it went. It's still a good discussion though. And, and yeah. man, idol, idols are such a hard thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, because it, I mean, it hits, it hits every Christian. It really does. But it's good beer. I'm a, I finished my beer. Oh. Michael, if they want to find us on social media places that we already plugged once in this episode, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible podcast and looking for our logo that you see there um, on your podcast listening service whatever it's called finger me um, yep you can email us at beers and bible podcast at gmail.com and you can also head over to our website beers and bible podcast.com and pick up some bmb merch merch and represent your favorite beers and bible podcast that's where right. you go because we are your favorite beers and bible podcast I think we're the only Beers and Bible podcast. But anyway. That means we're the favorite. Heck yeah, we are. So until next week, we want your Bible to stay open and your beer to stay cold, and we will see you later. Peace out. Peace out.